0: Being on the front lines in the fight to educate the next generation is tough. The goal of this podcast is to provide you with important updates, encouragement, and connection. Welcome to the Institute Leaders Lifeline. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Institute Leaders Lifeline. My name is Mike Sinclair, Deputy Superintendent of School Support at the Charter Institute at Erskine. I'm so glad you're with us. We're in the middle of a series on leading with passion. We've had some great guests. We've got some more guests coming up. So today, we're gonna look a little bit about building your team and how that impacts your culture. But before we get started, a couple of quick reminders for our Institute leaders. First, don't forget this Thursday, the 9th, is our leaders meeting. I think we have every school represented and we're so excited. We'll have about 115 of us all gathering together in Columbia to learn, to fellowship, to celebrate, and really just enjoy being an Institute family. So looking forward to seeing all of you there. We will begin registration at 9 in the morning, and we will start the morning at 9.30, wrap up around 3.30, so look forward to seeing you there. Second, it's been an exciting couple of weeks for us and several more weeks ahead to celebrate with our schools of distinction and our schools of excellence. Going and watching your smile as you and your staff celebrate, I mean, to your students and some of you have parents coming in, it is just heartwarming for us because you're the ones that really make the magic happen. So for us to come and be able to celebrate and bring you good news of the great things you and your students and your teachers are doing is just the magic. That's what really motivates us as a team at the Institute to come and be with you. So keep up the hard work. We're looking for celebrating with the rest of you that are on that list. And next year, we hope that list grows even more. So now let's move on with this week's episode. We are going to talk a little bit today, as I said, about the importance of building uh, your team. Uh, Really, we've talked about passion, and, and, and a lot of times when we talk about passion, we think about you're the leader and you have to infuse passion with everybody. You're the do or die. You're the live or die person. You've got to hold it all together, and today I'm going to challenge that. I'm going to challenge that thought in you, and I'm going to say that really, you need to use your passion to build the team around you that can sustain your build, your vision and help your vision grow. It's sustaining and growing, but it's because of the people around you. Also got some great quotes. I know some of you are quote people because you've shared with me how you've enjoyed some of the quotes. So let's go ahead and kick it off. Craig Groeschel, he's a podcaster. Uh, he's also a leader. Um, you might follow him through some church plants, but really a lot of his podcast is Uh, more just on leadership. It's not really about uh, church leadership, it's just leadership in general. So if you haven't heard Craig Groeschel, G-R-O-E-S-C-H-E-L, fantastic podcast. But quote I heard on his podcast not long ago, he said, you must tolerate what's different in order to celebrate what's effective. You must tolerate what's different in order to celebrate what's effective. So, So kind of what does he mean by that? He means You're going to have a lot of different uh, skill sets in your organization, a lot of different personalities. That's what makes a team strong if the leader is intentional in bringing that together and moving forward. But you have to tolerate those differences in order to celebrate the effectiveness on the end of it. Now, if this statement is misunderstood, the problem is we could look at just the beginning. You must tolerate what's different. You must tolerate what's different. And that's not really where he's going in this message, in this quote, because our society tell us you got to tolerate everything. You have to just deal with it all. And I'm going to challenge you as a leader to so say, you don't have to deal with it all. You need to tolerate what's different when you're building together as a team. You might be the one that's the big thinker. You might be the one that's a great uh, strategizer, putting ideas on the table for the team to flesh through, but you're not really good at detail work or at least that's not where you're energized. That wears you down. You need to find somebody that's gonna be loyal and an active member of your team to be that to match your ideas. You gotta have both. You can't just have the ideas because great ideas don't make it to fruition on their own. You've gotta have somebody to match with you. You've gotta have somebody to put it down to paper, to put it into words, to help you communicate that out. So please don't fall for the first part of that quote. You must tolerate what's different. You must utilize what's different. The the, the key of that quote is the end, the effectiveness. So make sure that you keep all of that together and appreciate what's going on in your team. So I'm gonna use an example for you. I know some people have said that our analogies work for them. So to kind of put this in play, I'm gonna use construction as our example here. You've got a hammer and you've got a screwdriver and you have a screw and that screw needs to get into wood. Well, you can use that hammer to hammer that screw in. It might bend the screw, it might break the screw, it might splinter the wood. There's lots of problems. It's gonna be slow, it's gonna take extra effort. Lots of reasons that that hammer is not the right tool. The screwdriver is going to be efficient. It's gonna be effective. It's gonna utilize your motion in a very purposeful way to get that screw into that piece of wood. So it's about using the right tool. One will get it in, it'll get the job done, but it's not gonna help you be efficient and build the house, let's say, build the vision that you want. You gotta find the right tool. Well, that's the right team member. That's the right complement to you in building that team. Now, if we wanna use the same two tools, let's say the hammer and the screwdriver, and now we're gonna use a nail. Well, the hammer is the most efficient now because you're going to hit that hammer or that nail. It's going to drive straight in. The screwdriver is even less effective than the hammer. There's no place to put it in. Unless you're going to turn it sideways and whack it with the handle, there's not really a way to use that screwdriver. The screwdriver is basically useless. I give you both of those examples of using those two tools on a screw versus using those two tools on a nail because you can be fooled into thinking a tool is the right one because it gets the job done. The hammer gets the screw in the wood. It gets the job done, but it's not the best tool to use. So don't settle for a tool. Don't settle for a team member. Don't settle for a process that gets the job done. You as a leader need to find the best tool for that job because on the other example with the nail, it is obvious the screwdriver is not gonna get the job done. Anybody can see that. That's one that is gonna be easy for you as a leader to say, we've got to move on. That person's not fitting this role in helping the team. That process is not. So don't let yourself get confused to say, I'll know when it's not right. You need to be intentional. You need to look at yourself, what you need in your organization, and build that together so that you have the best tools to get the job done. So I hope that analogy kind of helps paint a picture of what that quote's all about. You got to look at differences, to find the effectiveness there. So don't settle for it. Now let's go back to a prior episode uh, where we were talking about your culture, your climate really is what we were talking about. we were talking about how your passion builds that climate. Um, Patrick, uh, I have to stop, look at his name. So Lencioni, he was uh, the author of Five Dysfunctions of Teams. Um, He has a great quote that says, organizational health is the single biggest competitive advantage in any business. Let me say that again. Organizational health is the single biggest competitive advantage in any business. So if you're a school leader, what is your organizational health? Because I bet you, if you have the strongest health, you have a healthy organization, your students, your parents, your community, they're gonna see that, they're gonna feel it. We talked last time about When somebody walks into your building, they should say, this feels different. In a good way, this feels different. Your organizational health is going to be obvious to those people that walk in, good or bad. And and, and really, especially if you're a charter school leader, this is a competitive market and you have to be competitive. Your organizational health is what can set you apart from the school down the street or whatever other model parents are going for in in your community, in your area. If you're not a school leader, you need to think about that. What what is your health and how do you show that? How do others see that when they come in contact with your organization? So keep that in mind. It has to be aligned to your culture. So you as a leader, you set that health because you set that culture. And you have to have strong, productive culture with some non-negotiables. Now, I'm going to talk about one big non-negotiable that I see and I hear a lot about and I've listened to several podcasts on it, and so it's kind of been resonating with me. There are two types of organizations. We could argue there's a lot of others, but for this discussion, there's, there's gonna be two types I'm gonna talk about. One, relational organizations, and the other, transactional organizations. So a transactional organization is really focused on getting the work done. This became really popular as we went through COVID, and people started working remotely. They were very transactional. You didn't have a lot of relationships going on. You were in your house, somebody else was in their house, the fourth person, third person were in their houses and they were doing work. They were being transactional. They were checking off boxes. There wasn't a lot of that relationship. That is very popular right now. As a matter of fact, when you read about industry trends, you see there's a lot of pushback where workers wanna work from home. They don't wanna come in the office. They don't value that relationship. They don't value the interconnectedness to that. Now, there's transactional organizations that are extremely successful. And in and, and some businesses, some um, uh, opportunities really lend themselves to be transactional. So if that's the organization you're le- leading and transactional is your optimal style, by all means, please do not change it. Then you need to look at attracting people that are good and motivated to work in that type of an environment. The other one, relational, is a different where a different organization where everybody is really connected. You pride yourself. You um, energize yourselves by working together in a relationship. You look for that. You have to be intentional in building that and maintaining that. Remember at the beginning, we talked about everybody has different skill sets and, and interests and um, approaches to the work. Well, as a leader of a relational organization, You've got to be able to make those happen versus the transactional. Now, I'm going to tell you this as well. You also have to recruit. It has been very apparent in this um, industry that, that, that I work in, that the institute works in, that you as school leaders, if you're a leader listening to this, you are in a relational culture. You have to have a relational organization at some level. You have to have that, especially if you're brick and mortar. So I'm going to tell you, you have to recruit for that teacher shortage or not. And we hear all about teacher shortages, and that could be a whole nother episode. I don't care how short the teacher shortage is. If you're not looking for candidates that are relational and drawn to relational uh, organizations, you're going to struggle because those people are going to be the hammer. They can get the screw in the wood but they are not gonna be very effective in getting it in. You need the screwdriver to get that in. So be very intentional to make sure that you find those people because they're gonna be frustrating to themselves, they're gonna be frustrating to you, they're gonna be frustrating to those around them as well. Now I'm gonna use the Charter Institute at Erskine as an example here. We've talked about, we've talked about finding differences, we've talked about building that culture, we've, we've talked about being intentional. The Institute actually has the Institute uh, philosophy. So, we have a philosophy document, multiple page document. It's got lots of great information. Uh, the, the leaders of the organization for the first years really set that as a vision. They needed to take what was in their mind. We've talked about that. We talked about it last time. You have to be able to put your vision into reality. They took their vision and put it in this document. But one page really stands out to me. One page really stands out to me. It is the Institute Employee, titled. Then it's got boxes with descriptors all through it. And here are the categories that describe an Institute employee. Number one positive attitude. Positive attitude. Now, in the philosophy document for an employee, it gives some bullet examples, but let's just list these positive attitude. The second, open to feedback. The third, innovative spirit. Fourth, strong work ethic, a yearning for learning, you want to keep learning, resourceful, shows initiative, communications and listening skills or strengths, flexible embracer of change. And then the last one, fosters collaborative relationships. I'm going to say that last one one more time. Fosters collaborative relationships. So what kind of organization do you think the leadership at the Institute wants to see in its employees? Well, it wants to see a relational organization, a relational climate, a relational culture. We know that because it's right in this document. Now that might seem like overkill, like, Mike, do we really have to write everything down? If you don't own it and you don't communicate it, don't expect your employees to embrace it. Because if it happens, then it might be accidental. And if things happen by accident, unfortunately, it can be hard to replicate. We know that because a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and then, but they don't find every one of them. So my example is, you've got to write this down. I have a lot of respect and give kudos to the leadership, uh, Mr. V and and Superintendent Runyon and, and that team that put that document together because you have to own that as a core value. You have to clearly state so everybody knows what is expected. So if you're a leader, then you have to process uh, what you're going to do. You have to process what kind of organization. You have to state it. You have to claim it. You have to communicate it. Don't assume the team knows. So we've really gone through two pieces of information I want you to take away right now. We'll take a little pause to review. One, know what kind of organization you're building and leading. You got to know it. You got to know what you're doing. You got to know what you need on your team. Number two, communicate clearly to your team. Communicate clearly to your team. So let's get the third and final point here. Be intentional about the people you choose to be on your team. We've alluded to that, but I want to give you another Craig Rochelle quote here. You can tell I've been reading him lately. A great leader is often great because of the person next to them, not because of their own greatness. I like to say, this, say these twice. A great leader is often great because of the person next to them not because of their own greatness. I've been very fortunate. Some of my biggest accomplishments, I would probably argue, all of my biggest accomplishments as a professional is because I have had someone or a group around me that complement what I do well, things that they do that I don't do well. So we complement each other. We're side by side. We energize each other. I'm going to tell you, I like to create. I like to brainstorm. I like to build processes and strategies. I get tired when I have to really put pen to paper or I have to type it all down or I have to put all the details on it. I, I can do it, but I do not get energized by that. And I have been fortunate to have people on my team that that really energizes them. They love to be the detail worker. They're the details in the plan. You can't have both. I've said that already. You can't have a vision come to fruition without somebody to put it to paper. Just to be a metaphorical example there. So circling back to early in the episode, we talked about finding those people that complement your skills. So what kind of organization, how are your individual strengths going to be complementary and not a source of frustration? That's very tricky. And so as a leader, that's a big reason that you have to be able to communicate to your staff. You have to really be able to um, point those, those differences out. So some of you might use the Enneagram. Some of you might use Strengths Finders. Some of you might use Myers-Briggs. There's a whole list of resources you could use to identify strengths on your team. Just because you, notif- you, you point out people's strengths doesn't mean your team's going to work together. You have to set that up as the leader. Even if that's not something that energizes you, you have to figure out how you're going to make those work together. I'll give you one more example. I like to encourage people. I enjoy having fun with people. I am not the woohoo person. I am not the one that's going to think about baking a cake for somebody. I am not the one that's going to think about so-and-so could really use uh, 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 some flowers or something like that. I need someone beside me that has those ideas. That doesn't mean I don't value it. That doesn't mean I don't value going and taking care of that person. So I use that as another example to say, who's your woohoo? Because February can be a tough month. Some of you have already had a tough January. I've had lots of calls about some, some very unique situations going on in your schools, if you're one of our school leaders that we've had to work through. And I'm sure other organizations have as well. February is another one of those months. So who's your woohoo? Who's your woohoo? Maybe it's you, maybe you're the one that walks around and pushes the coffee cart around and treats your teachers or treats your organizational uh, team members there. But make sure you got somebody. February can be tough. You need somebody to bring a little life, bring a little energy, bring a little woohoo. And if it's not you, that's okay. Don't beat yourself up. Don't tell yourself that you're not supporting your team the way you think you are. Your job is to find the person on your team to do that. So go out there, find your woohoo, get your team excited, Make sure that you're communicating your expectations, communicating the culture you're looking for, and encouraging your team to embrace one another so you avoid frustration and you find your effectiveness. As you go through this week, please take care of yourselves and please take care of your team. Be sure to follow The Institute on all of our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. At Erskine Charters, we'll have all of these resources, including this podcast, many stories of our schools, and other things so check us out. The opinions expressed within the content are solely the authors and do not reflect the opinions and beliefs of the Charter Institute at Erskine or its affiliates.